Northland, I'm home. And I want you to know that I love you. Like, I really, really love you. And I've been praying for you. And my prayer is, is that I would love you well so that I can lead you well. I cannot lead you unless I love you. And some of you, you might be saying, how do you love me? You don't even know my name. <laughs> well, you, got, you gave me a book, so that's good. It was a, very, it was a good start. No, but like, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily need to know your name to know that I love you because we serve a God who knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head, like thereof. <laughs> he loves you. And so all I've, here's my prayer. All I want is to be a conduit and a vehicle by which our Father loves you well through me. That, that's my prayers. That's why I don't need to know your name to love you. But I love you. And we are family. And how God has orchestrated all of this to put me right here, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. But when you can clearly see his hand, just, just buckle up. What we probably need to solve, Governor Elders, we need to install like seat, buck, you know, seat belts on these shit because God's doing something. So with that, if you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse one through 10. While you're turning there or turning on your device, let me also welcome all of those of you who are connecting with us and engaging with us online. I want you to know as well, I love you. And I'm so grateful that we even have this venue where we can to this degree connect. But know that you are, you are dear to my heart as well as an extension of the Northland family. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched a master do the very thing that they were created to do, that they were passionate about doing? Like we really kind of see this with professional athletes. Like for me, Peyton Manning, I would say is the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm not a big Tom Brady fan. Now, here's the thing, I have deep appreciation for Tom Brady and I hope that he's, I'm glad that he came back and I read an article this week that he wants to be traded somewhere and I'm like, no Lord, do not let him be traded because I would like to drive over to Tampa, take my kids and see the second best quarterback ever, you know, play, uh, play in the NFL. <laughs> but, but it is amazing when you watch these guys, the, the Joe Montanas, the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's of football. They're just incredible at what they do. They're masters at what they do. Growing up, I watched Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. Now today it's LeBron James or uh, Stephon Curry. Maybe some of you, you remember Jack Nicholas in his prime. I remember Tiger Woods in his prime. Uh, maybe for, for some of you NASCAR fans, uh, it was Jeff Gordon or Tony Stewart. Now, here's the thing that I know about NASCAR, at least my wife told me, is not another sport centered around rednecks. That, that's, that, you know, that's NASCAR. You like watching them around and going around in circles. Look at them go, just running around in the circles. That's rednecks. Now, I, can, I can say that because I'm from Tennessee. So anywho, but, but maybe it was Michael Phelps or Jackie Joyner Kersey, or, or maybe you are a soccer, and I know other people across the pond, uh, they would say it's football. That's the real football, but Ronaldo or Messi is, is your people. 
Or maybe the, the Williams sister, I was watching King Richard a couple of weeks ago. What a fascinating movie, love the movie. But to watch the, the Williams sisters play tennis or, or maybe sports isn't your thing and cooking is your thing. And so you'll, you'll be found watching the Food Network and you'll, you'll watch the Rachel Ray's and the other chefs. I mean, just cook and you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. And your husband's thinking the same thing. Man, I wish he could do that. It'd be awesome. <laughs> so maybe you're like reading a book. And you're like, man, what a, what a great writer. J.K. Uh, Rowling is, is, she's such a great writer. I, I, I wouldn't know because I told my wife and my kids, I just watch the movies. So I don't have to read that, I just watch the movies. But they're a the great writer. What, what, what are you getting at, Josh? is like, when you watch the masters do the very thing that they were created to do, you're enamored, you are wild. And if you do something that they do, you actually try to start mimicking them. That's why we see it in children. They're passing the football and they're, they're dreaming that they are a Tom Brady. You have kids that are they're dreaming of being Venus or Serena or Williams because they, they see the masters at work and they're like, I want to be that. Well, what we'll see this morning is Jesus, the master, living on mission. And what my hope and prayer is by the end of this morning is that we would be enamored, we would be wowed by the king, by the master himself of how he lived on mission to the point, Northland, that we would be drawn in and we would say, I wanna be on mission like that. Yeah, you can clap, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beg for it, but if you wanna give it, let's go ahead and we're giving claps to King Jesus, not me, just FYI. Yeah, because all I'm, hey, all I am is a conduit to point you to Jesus. That's all I am. Like, I'm not the savior of North and we already have one. We already have one. His name is Jesus. Uh, you definitely don't want Josh to be your savior. What I am, I'm just a conduit to point you to him. That's all I am. So if you want to clap for him, go ahead and clap for him. And so here's how, here's how I operate. I will always give you a main point and then I will flesh that main point out. So if you're ready for the main point, tell your neighbor, I'm ready. Tell your neighbor, I'm ready. We, we, we are talking church and I'm telling you, 11 o'clock, I almost had a spell there. Like, I mean, I'm talking about like, if, if I had already been insulted, I would have ran up on stage and I would have been preaching and then I would, have told, I would have told the entire band, let's sing that one again. I was just having a spell. So thank you at 11 o'clock for giving me the Holy Spirit energy. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> so. so here's the main point. The journey to the cross was about seeking and saving the lost. The journey to the cross was about seeking and saving the lost. See, what we'll see with Jesus, he's passing through Jericho and he's on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sin of the world. So the journey to the cross is about seeking and saving the lost. But, but I, don't, I don't want you to miss this because we live in the year 2022. And I want you to know this, that the journey from the cross is about seeking and saving the lost. So as Jesus goes to the cross, we live from the cross and it's about seeking and saving the law. So Northland, let us never lose sight that we are here as a conduit to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here. So that's the main point that we will flesh out this morning. Now, some of you are saying, well, uh, I'm not a believer. Somebody told me that they have this, this new pastor here and that I ought to come hear him and celebrate with the church. And so, so somebody drugged me here. Maybe you're gauging online. Somebody shared the YouTube link or the Facebook link. And they said, oh, you need to, you need to listen to our new pastor and you're, and you're not a believer. 
You are far from God, but you're like, you know what, I'll just start listening. And so you're probably thinking, what's this about for me? Is there anything in it for me? Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't want you to miss this. If you're here today and you are far from Jesus, maybe this is the first time that you've, you've been with the church in quite a while. Maybe it's the first time ever that you have been with a body called the church. And you're wondering, what, what's Luke 19? What, what's this guy that we'll look at today by the name of Zacchaeus? What does he have to do with me? Everything. Because what you'll see this morning is how the cosmic king of the universe, and you will hear me refer to Jesus as the cosmic king, and we are citizens of his kingdom, the already but not yet kingdom. You will see this cosmic king, his love for you. How he loves you with a deep, intense love that you will never fully quite understand. And what I do hope and pray this morning for you, if that is you, that you would be enamored by Jesus's love and that you would climb down out of your tree and that you would come in to the home of Jesus. That's my prayer for you this morning. So regardless of wherever you are, this message is for you. So here, here are the four questions. I'm gonna go ahead and give them to you. Why we live on mission? How do we live on mission? What happens when we live on mission? And where do we get the power to live on mission? So why, how, what, and then where? So let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, I am just overwhelmed at your goodness and grace. It just absolutely astounds me. I am so grateful how you have brought the convergence of Northland and the Laxtons together for such a time as this. We surrender to you to let you lead us and lead us now. Spirit, will you speak? Would you move hearts? Would you mold and shape hearts more into the image of our King, King Jesus? And we will be very quick to give you all honor and glory. May we leave different May we leave different than when we came as a result of your power and presence among us. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Number one, why do we live on mission? I mean, any church would say, yes, we, we, we wanna be on mission, but, but have you ever really thought about the why? Why do we live on mission? Why are we on mission? Well, let's look in verses one through four. So Jesus, he entered Jericho and he was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. What, what's so interesting about Zacchaeus, his name actually means righteous one, but he was anything but righteous. But what I think it kind of signifies is the fact that God, he knows what he's going to do in your life. And so he goes ahead and names Zacchaeus about what he is going to become. See, some of you, God is going to do something in your life and you are going to become the very thing that is spoken of you right now, but you're not here just yet. You will be though. And so that's Zacchaeus. He's not righteous because what we find out, he is a chief tax collector. Everybody say chief tax collector. Okay, so he was, he was the head of the IRS. Let me ask you this. Anybody love the IRS? We're getting ready to pay the IRS. No, we, we don't like the IRS. Why? Because they take our money, our hard-earned money, you know. So, so Zacchaeus, he, he, was, he was the leader of the IRS. And he's very wealthy. You know how he gained his wealth? Because this is how he rolled back then. So he was, he was a Jew who was employed by uh, the Roman Empire. 
And so what he would do is he would go to house to house. So he would go to the Davies house and he would knock on the door and, and then Gus would answer and he would say, Gus, I, I, I need X amount of dollars from you and Geneva. But in those X amount of dollars, what he's factoring in is Rome's percentage and then his percentage. And so let's say he asked for $2,500. Well, maybe 1,500 of it was going to go to Rome. The other was going to go to pad his pockets. So every house, he would do that to his own native people. That's the reason why he was a hated and despised man because he robbed from his own to pad his own pockets. Verse three. But something is happening in his life. He wanted to see who Jesus was, this this messianic rock star. But because he was short, (laughs) for some reason, Gus, he always talks about my height. And I don't know why he talks about my height. He's, He's shorter than I am. But anyways, neither here nor there. But because he was short, which I guess I can identify with, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, now before I dive in specifically about Zacchaeus in this particular scene, because this is my first message at Northland and I am a missiologist, which basically means I just studied the theology of God's mission from beginning to end. I think I need to begin with this, is that God has always been on mission from the very beginning. God has always been on mission to create a people for himself to reflect his glory, his characteristics, his nature, his attributes in all spheres of life. The very fact that God created Adam and Eve in his image, they were mirrors meant to reflect God's glory and enact his kingdom. And so since the very beginning of the creation of mankind, God has always intended to bring his kingdom to planet earth and have his image bearers enact his rule and his reign. Thus, he is on mission to create a people for himself. Now you fast forward to Genesis three, it didn't go very well with Adam and Eve. They're in the garden, God told them not to eat from this tree. They ate from the tree. And as a result, oh, I haven't said this in any of the gatherings, so here it is. Uh, They they realized they were naked. That's what they realized. And and people people are like, how do you spell that? I don't know, I think it's N-E-K-K-E-D. I think that's naked. That's how we say it in Tennessee. But, but they, they ate from the tree. They realized that they were naked, but naked. And that now there's this shame and guilt. Well, God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What, what do Adam and Eve do? They hide. You see, sinners hide from God. Sinners hide from God. That's the reason why if you say that you have found God, no, 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 we need to reverse that. God found you. See, sinners don't find God. God finds sinners. Now you can be like Zacchaeus and you can be searching, you can be seeking, but God is the one who's pursuing you. And here's the great news about our God, the God of holy scriptures, is that he's much better at finding than we are at hiding. (laughs) 
And so we are on mission because from the very beginning, God has been on mission. But what's so cool about Genesis 3.15 is what scholars refer to as the first gospel. And what God promises to Adam and Eve is that you will not stay in your sin. There is coming a time when I will redeem you from your sin. I will reverse the curse that I will crush the head of the serpent, even though the serpent will bite the heel of the offspring. And I will bring redemption and reconciliation, which then has this iteration of God's mission, that God is on mission to redeem a people for himself to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. So it was to create, they sin, now it is to redeem. And so we live on mission because God has always been on mission. But what we see here in this passage are some other reasons why we live on mission. We live on mission because people are looking for God. People are. So Zacchaeus, now one of the things that I really find strange about Zacchaeus is that he had everything he could ever want. Everything. He had season tickets to the Jericho Magic. He had season tickets to the Jerusalem Buccaneers. He had passes to Walt Disney World and Universal and SeaWorld. He had multiple homes. He had the boats. He had the fastest camels. He had the biggest flat screen TVs. He had the newest technology. I mean, Zacchaeus had everything he could ever want, yet he was looking for Jesus. Kind of reminds me about a lot of Americans. We have everything we can want. The newest thing. It's come out, the newest fashion, newest gadget. And we're constantly looking for the new thing. We have everything we could ever want, but yet there is this emptiness inside of us. We are not fully satisfied by the things. That's Zacchaeus. He's not fully satisfied. He should be. He thought he would have been, but he's not. He is looking for Jesus. And so what he, is, what he has heard, he's heard that this messianic rock star is passing through. He has heard about uh, Jesus, the man who has turned water into wine, the man who has healed the lame, raised the dead, the man who took some happy meals and multiplied it to feed over 5,000 plus people. I mean, he's coming through town and I've got to see him. Now he shouldn't be there because he has everything, but there's something missing in his, in his life and he thinks Jesus actually might have the answer. But then we see another reason of why we live on mission. We live on mission because there are obstacles preventing people from seeing Jesus. So they wanna see him, they're looking, they're dissatisfied, in life, there's this emptiness, there's this hole in their life. And so maybe, maybe Jesus has the answer, but with Zacchaeus, he cannot see Jesus because he has an obstacle. What is his obstacle? He's what? He's, he's, he's what of stature? Yeah, he's short. So I don't know if you've ever been to the movies where somebody sits in front of you and they're six foot five and I'm five foot nine and I'm like, this ain't gonna work, this ain't gonna work. See, that, that's Zacchaeus. He, Jesus is coming through, but everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Everybody wants to see Jesus. And so Zacchaeus is doing his thing. He's trying to jump up, trying to see Jesus, but he has an obstacle. Let me ask you this. If that's you, what's your obstacle? Is it sin? Because maybe you love sin just a little too much. 
But you know that that sin, those pleasures in life, they've not fully satisfied your life, but yet it's just so hard to let go. And so maybe that's an obstacle. Maybe it's idolatry. Maybe you love, you love some things just a little too much. Maybe it's religious worship, a false religion. And it's an obstacle. Here's an obstacle that I think has happened and that way we have definitely seen, particularly in our cultural context over the last years, the church has become an obstacle. Because the church has had a tendency to make everything about something else rather than Jesus. So we, we make church about everything else but Jesus. So about politics, about this, about that. No, no, we won't point people to Jesus. That's what we're all about. Jesus is the center here. It doesn't, it, listen, he does not care about which party that you vote. What he cares about is that you're part of the kingdom. And so we're gonna point people to Jesus. We, we don't want to be an obstacle. And here's the thing, if you look to man, we will be an obstacle. And that's the reason why I'm gonna tell you, if you're looking to me, I'm gonna say, look past me to Jesus. Look past me to Jesus. He's our standard. So we have these obstacles. Zacchaeus has, has this obstacle. And so we are on mission because we've got to help them overcome the obstacle. Church, we've got to help them overcome the obstacle. And then we live on mission. And don't miss this either because people are in desperate need. Verse four. So he ran ahead. Let me tell you about short Jewish rich men back then. They didn't run. Like I'm training for an Ironman for November. I run all the time. But, but it, there's a purpose for me running. We exercise. Like one of the things I tell people, I exercise so I can eat desserts. That's, that's why I exercise. So I, I'm doing an Ironman so I can eat a lot of desserts. So uh, yeah. But, but short Jewish wealthy men, they didn't run. So when Zacchaeus is running, people are looking at him going, what is wrong with Zacchaeus? Does he got to go to the bathroom? Did he eat something bad? I mean, what, what's going on with Zacchaeus? Not only did Zacchaeus run, but he climbs a tree. It's not like he was climbing a tree to get in a tree house. So, so short Jewish rich men, they didn't run and they didn't climb trees, but yet Zacchaeus is doing both of those. Why? He's in desperate need. where he is, he is doing undignified behavior because he is that desperate. Hey, Northland, there are so many people within our community, within this region, within our state, within our nation, and within our world, they are in desperate need. And they need a church on mission. They need a church full of passionate followers of Jesus who live on mission. So that is why we live on mission because that is why Jesus lived on mission. But the second question is this, how do we live on mission? So this is the why and that's great, Josh, but, but how do we live on mission? That is a great question. You are, you're, you're tracking. What a great question this morning at 11 a.m. So how do we live on mission? Well, let's look in verses five and six. So when Jesus reached the spot, when he reached the spot, what spot? 
the sycamore tree, the, the spot where Zacchaeus was perched up in the tree. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, I, let's just use our sanctified imagination. Let's imagine that we're Zacchaeus. Obviously, something's going on in life where we would run, where we would climb a tree, where people would poke fun at us and call us names. Like, what are you doing, Zacchaeus? And yet, this Jesus, whom everybody is jockeying for position to see him, actually comes to the tree in which you are perched, and he calls you by name. That's why I don't know where you are. I just feel led to say this because maybe some of you, you are Zacchaeus's this morning. And there's shame, there's guilt in your life, maybe from past mistakes, maybe some failures that you have just encountered in life. And here's what I want you to know this morning is that there's this man, this God man by the name of Jesus who we have lifted up the entire morning and he is sitting right next to you. Even if you are online, maybe even if you are in your car, he is sitting right next to you and he is speaking your name because he knows you and he loves you. Amen. And so he's Zacchaeus and what, is, what does he say? Come down. I want you to get out of the tree. Why? Because I must stay at your house. I want to come to your home, Zacchaeus. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So how do we live on mission? Don't miss this, church. Please don't miss this. Here's how. Here's how we live on mission. We have to go from the road to the tree, from the tree to the home, and from the home to the heart. See, see, we, we've got to go from the road to the tree, from the tree to the home, and from the home to the heart. Now, here's the thing. Here's how you get uh, from the road to the tree. One, you've got to be aware. You've got to be aware of the breeze. You've got to be aware of the periphery around you. You've got to be aware of what God might be doing around you. See, as Jesus is walking on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sin of the world, it, it would be ironic. Let me just say this. It would be ironic that Jesus is headed to the cross to die for the sin of the world, and he doesn't deviate to hang out with a sinner. It would be ironic. But, but it's not because what Jesus actually does is he's like, I'm going to the cross. And as I'm going to the cross to seek and to save the lost, I will deviate and I will engage sinners and have them come home. I mean, so it's amazing what Jesus does, but, but he's aware. He's aware of what is going on. He's hearing the murmuring. He's hearing people point. He's hearing people going, Zacchaeus, what are you doing? Are you aware of what God might be doing around you? In, in, in your subdivision, in your neighborhoods, at your workplace, the ball team that, that your son, your daughter is on. Are you just, are you listening to, to who might be rustling in the trees? So we, we just have to be aware. And then one of the things I love is that not, not only is he aware, he deviates from his schedule. Now, I know things about some Americans. We, we like our schedules. Church starts at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday. And so we're going to start right on time. Pastor Josh, you got 30 minutes. All right. Well, give me 35. All right. So here we go. 30 minutes. And here's the schedule. Here's the plan. Here's what you do. Church, do not let us never, let us never overschedule ourselves where we can't deviate from the road to trees. We, we got to leave, leave some room for the Spirit of God to work. 
We, we gotta leave some room for the spirit to deviate our plans so that we can participate in God's plans, right? Okay. So, so we're gonna we go move from the, from the road to the tree by being aware, by deviating from our plan. But one of the things that I love that we can do today is that we can actually plant the trees that people perch themselves up on. See, the CAC is something that Northland has planted where people can perch themselves to see Jesus. Uh, Life Hope, that's another. Uh, The bookstore, and we have several others that we have trees that we have planted that people have perched themselves up in where they have been able to see Jesus. And let me just say this, because I'm really excited about saying this, is that we're not done planting trees. We're going to plant the trees that people perch themselves up in so that they can get a glimpse of Jesus. So he goes from the, the road to the tree, but then he goes from the tree to the home. See, the, the home is a place of hospitality and friendship, connection, companionship, sharing, vulnerability, authenticity. See, when Jesus told Zacchaeus, I got I to gotta come to your home, what he's saying is I'm identifying with you. See, that's the reason why people, religious people, called him a friend of sinners. It was a derogatory term, but yet that's exactly who Jesus was. He was a friend of sinners. Amen. And I am chief. And he's going to his home to hang out, to have a meal. I love what Robert Karras in his book, Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel, I love what he says. He says, basically, you can see some purpose statements throughout the the gospel of Luke, where Jesus says, I must preach the good news. Luke 19, 10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. But according to this author, Karis, one of the major ways Jesus fulfills his purpose is through eating and drinking. That's why he eats eats and drinks his way on, on mission. Church, Home is a place of connection and friendship. And part of God's mission, if we're going to seek and to save that which is lost, we are going to have to befriend people and get to know them. See, see, I I love what's happening here in the home of Zacchaeus because Jesus is hanging out with the chief of sinners. Could you imagine being a fly on the wall that day? Where Jesus and Zacchaeus, they're, they're, they're letting Gordon Ramsay prepare a meal and they have all of the servants there waiting on them hand and foot. And man, just a delicious, just a delicious ev- you know, evening meal. The choicest of wines, I mean, I mean, just amazing. And then I'm sure Jesus may have said something like, so, so Zach, tell me how work's going. Well, um, it, it's, it's going, Jesus. I mean, it's the same old, same old. But every time people see me coming, I mean, they dart the other way. I mean, I have no friends, I have no connection. And then I think it probably gets really serious. And where Jesus asked Zacchaeus, hey, Zach, tell me why you ran today and why you climbed up in a tree. Why, Why were you doing those things that people would classify as undignified behavior? And at that moment, I could imagine it's getting really, it's getting really still. And now it's getting really intense with Zacchaeus. And there he begins to tell Jesus what's really going on in his heart. 
Well, Jesus, you know, I, I mean, I have everything that I could, I could ever want, but I'm empty. There's no satisfaction in my life. Like, every day that I wake up, I don't, I don't even want to live life anymore because I've just got, I, I've, I've got this, this dark cloud over me where I, I shouldn't have it, but I do, and I just don't know. And I've, I've heard about you, and I just had to position myself to actually see you. And, and here's the thing that I love about what's happened at Zacchaeus' house is because Jesus listened to the heart of Zacchaeus. Jesus was able to share the heart of the gospel. See, we've got to, so church, please hear me. I think we need to do more listening today than talking. Because if we let other people talk, I think they will process their own demise in the sense of they'll, they'll process how they are not fulfilled, how they are not satisfied. And so if we can listen, but here's, a, here's what the church is notorious for talking. Let me tell you how to live. <laughs> okay, well, you don't, even know, you, you don't even know about my life. How are you gonna tell me? And so he's listening to the heart of Zacchaeus and there he is able to share the heart of the gospel. And so for us today, if we can just listen to the heart of people, we might hear that people will express that they are lost and then we can tell them how the gospel can find them and call them home. We will hear them talk about how they realize that they are a sinner and we can tell them how the gospel makes them a saint. We can hear that they believe that they are a failure, a failed husband, a failed wife, a failed father, a failed mother, a failed person, and we can share with them how the gospel forgives. We can hear them share that they are in pain, and we can let them know how the gospel brings peace. We can hear how they are ashamed of their past, and we can tell them how the gospel died for their past. We, we can hear that they feel abandoned by family members or friends or maybe even the church, and then we can share how the gospel adopts them into the family of God and provides them a new home. We can hear how they feel unworthy and dead and empty and we can share with them how the gospel makes them worthy, alive and fulfilled. We can hear that they are downcast and depressed and we can share how the gospel brings joy and happiness even in the midst of chaos. We can hear how they might be saying life is meaningless and they have no purpose, but we can share with them how the gospel gives them hope and meaning and purpose in life on mission. If we listen long enough, we might hear that they think their life is one big valley. Things never seem to go right, but we can share with them how how the gospel is that Jesus is in the process of making all things new. And there is a mountaintop. It's already, but not yet. And the mountaintop is called the new city of Jerusalem. And in that city, there will be no weeping. There will be no more crying. There will be no more death for the former things have passed away. But we got to listen. And then we can speak the heart of the gospel to their heart. So the last two questions, and then I'm done. What happens when we live on mission? So that's why, that's how, what happens? Well, look at verse eight, eight, nine. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the, said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Oh, I just love this. He's transformed. Now, but did you notice his transformation? It's spiritual. Today, you have become a son of Abraham. You have been reconciled to God. 
there's this spiritual transformation. He is now brought into the family of God, the home of the Father. But then, then did you see what else happened? He gave half his possessions to the who? Poor. So he's now being reconciled socially. He's looking at the poor the way God looks at the poor because in God's kingdom, there is no poor. And so Zacchaeus says he's doing something about it. And then did you notice his business practices were transformed? He said, if I defrauded anybody, I'm gonna get four times that amount. So, so Jesus, I wanna change how I'm a tax collector. I wanna change my practices and I want to make them in more line with the kingdom. See, this is one of the reasons why I was so drawn to Northland about engaging people to be fully alive in Jesus. Why? Because it's not until you meet Jesus, you can become fully alive. And it's a holistic transformation. And see, that's how we're gonna measure success here. We're just not gonna measure success how many people are in the building. We're not gonna measure success how much money we have. We're not gonna measure success just by how many walk down an aisle or profess faith in Jesus, how many people are baptized. Those are good numbers, but what we are looking for is the transformation spiritually, socially, and culturally because as we are being transformed more into the image of Jesus, we are acting as salt and light to bring flourishing to the community. I'm so excited. This, I'm, I'm five minutes over, but it's 11 o'clock service, so we're all right. So we're good. We're good. Right. The children's, uh, uh, oh, Bethany's going to, she, she's going to cuss me out tomorrow. We don't cuss here, I don't think. Uh, so uh, <laughs> just playing, just playing. Point number four, and last, last is this. Where do we get the power to live on mission? Where do we get the power? For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Where do we get the power? The power is found in the purpose and the presence of God. You see, for the son of man. See, Jesus knew his purpose. He knew the presence of God on his life. And as a result, here, here's the thing, don't miss this. His identity was embedded in the father which propelled him on mission. See, the reason why churches fail to live on mission even, even though they might vocalize it is because they have not identified with the Father. See, but when you identify with the Father, you immediately are propelled on mission. Now, here's some, don't miss this and, and I'm done. The reason why, the reason why Jesus could call Zacchaeus down from the tree is because he was on his way to Jerusalem to climb up in another tree. See, the reason why we can call people out of trees today is because we can tell them someone's already taken your place on that tree. Just come down to him. Yeah. So let us never grow tired. Let us never grow weary of living on mission, of seeking and saving the lost. Northley, here's to the next 50 years. Northland, next 50. Father, this is your church. We are all about you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And I do pray for the next 50 years of Northland that we would be a church that every single day lives on mission because there are people hiding there are people searching and seeking 
and they are ready for you to find them. May we be the conduit and the vehicle by which you find them. I am so grateful for this body. I love them already and I just look forward to cultivating this deep, deep love where there's this unity that we walk in as we live on mission of seeking and saving the lost. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me just ask you, are you, who did you identify with most today? Was it Jesus living on mission? If so, let me ask you, how's, how's that going? And then if you identified more with Zacchaeus today and you are in the tree, will you come down today? Will you come down? And if that's you, Pastor Gus and Bradley will walk you through how you can come down.